Plaza Direct King's Court starts now.
I've won and lost against the best. This old road's been a hell of a test. I'm still driving. I ain't slowing down. There's rules I love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. And a good Monday morning, St. Louis. And all parts, north, east, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Window World Kings Court on kevinslaytonshow.com. And we're glad you're along for the ride on this Monday morning. This is the day the liberals created, so we're not particularly fond of Monday mornings. But here we are anyway. So from 7 to 9 Central Time, Monday through Friday, this is where you come to get the unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence. We always provide that. No one else does, but we do. We feel like it's important that it's not just an opinion, that anything we say here is truth verified unless we tell you up front, hey, here's what I think. I have nothing to back it up with. It's just my gut feeling, but we'll let you know that. Otherwise, it's backed by facts and evidence. Usually, and almost without question, without fail, it's backed up by the words of the perpetrators. Their own words we use to indict them, and it's not hard. On this show, you're welcome. Our phone lines are always open, 636-348-4460. 636-348-4460. You can join in the fun anytime you'd like. It was a busy weekend in a lot of areas. Iran is now threatening to join the war if Israel invades Gaza. Well, we know they're going to invade Gaza. They're just waiting for the right time and the right moment. So we're going to have a full-scale war with Iran involved? And what's Biden doing? He's appeasing Iran, of course, going on 60 Minutes last night to claim that we don't know if Iran was involved in this attack. (laughs) There is overwhelming evidence, undisputed evidence, that Soleimani, the general who was responsible for more than 2,000 American deaths that Trump Trump took out, was planning this very attack three years ago. That's how long these attacks go into the planning stage. So keep in mind, the terrorist groups that have come over across our southern border and they're now hiding out in the United States are planning attacks as we speak. We won't see them for perhaps a couple of years. But it's Biden's allowance of an open border that will dictate attacks on United States soil a couple of years from now. When they come, do not forget who allowed the border to be open. Hopefully he'll be long gone from this world by then, and certainly not in the White House by then. And we won't have to deal with that loser anymore. But this pathetic joke is actually trying to convince people that Iran isn't involved. He needs a Monster Energy drink. But I don't even, you know, Monster Energy drink will help everybody get their day going, and it will help us all get that 
extra boost of energy we need, which is never-ending, by the way, at least for me. And I'm assuming for most people. And that's what we need. We need to focus better. We need to be ready for our meetings that we go to. If we're playing golf, we need to be ready for that. But we all need that boost of energy. And that's what Monster Energy Drink gives us. It allows us to be at our best, at the top of our game, no matter what this situation dictates for the day. And at Monster Energy Drink, they'll bring your favorite bands to your hometown and support it with a bunch of parties around it. Everything they do that they sponsor, that they support, is an event. And they make it an event because they're different than everybody else. Monster Energy is not just a drink. It's a lifestyle in a can. And it's the most badass energy drink on the planet. Unleash the beast in you with Monster Energy Drink. Well, sometimes you don't even know where to start with these people, but it's always a good place to start by reminding them of their own words uh, when they speak them. And we're going to do that some more this morning. One sad note, of course, to report, perhaps you heard it yesterday, perhaps you didn't. Suzanne Summers passed away uh, yesterday, uh, 77 years old, 76 years old, something like that, 73 years old, in her 70s. But nonetheless, an iconic comedian, everything she did was fun. Sadly, it was breast cancer that came back that took her life. Her husband of 46 years was there with her. Three's Company now has just one of those three still alive. How sad is that? Does that make you feel like time is passing us by? It does. And so our condolences to Suzanne Summers' family. You know, we haven't heard much from Hollywood, have we, in the last three years? They don't make movies anymore, which is good probably because they don't make very good movies anymore anyhow, even when they make them. So, once again, her comedy shows would not get on the air today because we live in a cowardly society. Most of the great sitcoms of our lifetimes would not get on the air today. Those are just facts. Do you think All in the Family would have a chance? How about the Jeffersons? How about Maud? Those were spinoffs, of course, of All in the Family. What about Cheers? It wouldn't get on. But Blackish gets on. Maybe soon we'll have Iranianish, and that'll be a sitcom as well. Suzanne Summers was 76. Our director of research reminds me she's uh, died a day before her birthday. She would have been 76, uh, or would have had her birthday today, I should say. Very sad. Very sad. But we're losing all of the all of the people that we grew up with that entertained us and we're losing them fast. And I get the feeling, I get the sense that people as they get older now aren't too sad to be leaving and going home for their final resting place. Who wants to live in this world? Who wants to live in this cowardly country that we live in? I'm telling you, I look every day to getting out of here. I can do my show from a mountaintop in Austria. And believe me, the temptation gets stronger every day. Every single day. So we'll be taking a vacation there in in the springtime, so we'll take a little bit of time off. I'll give you that forewarning now. (laughs) We're going to take a little time off and take a little vacation in the spring. And, of course, we do it Christmas as well. But we're in October right now. This is my favorite month of the year, along with December. They don't get any – actually, November too. These three months 
are the favorite quarter of the year for me. I get sad as October begins to get past the midpoint, and that's right where we are now, the midpoint. Halloween is in two weeks. We are firmly into the holiday season, and to lose Suzanne Summers was a sad thing. But as we embark on the next days, we know that Israel's going into the Gaza Strip and into Gaza City. We know that's going to happen. Now, will Iran actually back up their strong words that they will, uh, they're considering, of course, getting in, intervening, should Israel go into Gaza? Now, if Biden had an ounce of strength, and he doesn't, he would have already put Iran in their place. But the day has come, and it has come now, that I think even before Israel goes into Gaza, they need to go into Iran, and so do we. Both of us don't have to set a single foot soldier in that country. Simply, our air forces combine, if we need both, and take out their oil refineries, take out their nuclear weapons capabilities, and put an end to them once and for all. There isn't a person in the world other than the terrorist groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, that they fund, that would be upset about that. The other Arab countries would be happy. The Saudis hate the Iranians. And most other countries do too. So why are we such cowards? When Trump took out Soleimani, you didn't hear a peep out of the Iranians. It's the only thing they understand. If you think that you're going to sit down over a table with them and negotiate things like energy or terrorism, you're mistaken, sadly mistaken. You don't have a grasp on reality, if that's what you think. And that's what Biden thinks. And he doesn't have a grasp on reality. He hasn't for decades. But that's where it goes. And then all of this nonsense would be over. You see, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about invading Gaza, uh, the horrible actions of Hamas and Hezbollah soon to come. And we're going to be discussing it and talking about it for weeks and months and maybe years. When the truth is, selected airstrikes by the United States and Israel into Iran would end all of this crap immediately. It makes me think that neither the United States nor Israel wants to end it. What is the end game? Is there a positive end game by delaying it for the Israelis and for the United States? It makes me think there is. Because we could end it today, by lunchtime. And why aren't we? Honestly, I couldn't care less about civilians or anybody, any other uh, collateral casualties or damage in Iran. Couldn't care less about anything that happens in Iran. We know what those people are. And don't give me this baloney that it's just the government. We saw their students capture our embassy decades ago under the great leadership of Jimmy Carter. And only through the election of Ronald Reagan were those hostages freed. Again, elections have consequences. If you want strength from America, you better elect Donald Trump. If you if you want what we have now, keep electing Democrats or elect someone else in the Republican Party. But if you want strength to deal with these people, there's only one guy. I don't care if you like him or not. Most great leaders weren't liked. 
Show me a great leader whose people that he led were, oh my gosh, he was just wonderful to us. You won't hear it. But they'll all be respected by the people they led. Go through sports. Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick, the great football coaches. Their people respected them, but you didn't hear them say, gosh, I can't wait. Bill and Vince are going to go out and have a nice cup of coffee with me. It doesn't happen that way. Leaders mostly are not liked because they demand things from their followers that people would not normally do on their own. They demand excellence. That's what leadership's all about. We have a joke now. And if, if Benjamin Netanyahu doesn't get with it in Israel, I'll consider him a joke. Get the Iranian oil refineries, blow them up, and blow up any nuclear plants, any place where they're enriching uranium, underground or not. Go get it. And then, and only then, will you put an end to this. Do you think going into Gaza and destroying Hamas in Gaza is going to put an end to this? No. I'm not saying you don't do that, but you do it after you go into Iran. Iran first, Hamas second, and if Hezbollah opens their mouth, Hezbollah third. They've already fired rockets from the north into Israel and killed one Israeli citizen. In the meantime, remember when Jake Sullivan said this about the Middle East at the end of September? The Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Now, challenges remain. Iran's nuclear weapons program, the tensions between Israelis and Palestinians... But the amount of time that I have to spend on crisis and conflict in the Middle East today compared to any of my predecessors going back to 9-11 is significantly reduced. That didn't uh, last long, did it? Didn't age well. And he was actually pressed by Christian Welker on NBC and asked if he regretted making that statement and listened to him dodge and lie and pretend that somehow he meant something else. I made those comments in the context of developments in the wider Middle East region over the last few years after two decades that involved a civil war in Yemen and a massive humanitarian catastrophe, a civil war in Syria and a massive refugee crisis, an invasion and insurgency in Iraq, a NATO military operation in Libya, Iranian-backed attacks on both Saudi and the UAE, uh, as well as many other steps, in, including the rise of a terrorist caliphate that actually occupied a huge amount of territory. The sentence before what you just played, I said, in fact, that this was for now and that it could all change. And the two threats that I identified that were the most acute on my mind at the time were tensions between Israelis and Palestinians, as I mentioned, and the threat from Iran. And so, yes, Uh, It is true that those two threats remained a real challenge to the long-term stability of the Middle East region, and we've just seen this absolutely tragic attack. But at no point did the Biden administration take its eye off the ball of the threats to Israel, in fact. (laughs) So what he really was thinking about was the threat from the Palestinians and the Israelis. But that's not what he said, but that's what he was thinking. So good to know that he was thinking that. What an idiot. Does he really think people believe that nonsense? 
I, I come back to that every day with these people. Who do they think believes their bullshit? Nobody does, but they say it anyway. You know, another thing that we need to do, in addition to blowing up the refineries and the uranium enrichment plants in Iran, is simply start drilling. Like Trump says, drill, baby, drill here. Once we do that and we're energy independent again, as we were when Trump left office, then the Iranians' hands are t- the Iranians' hands are tied again. But we, as a country, cannot continually give them tens, hundreds of billions of dollars like Biden and Obama have done. The United States is, in my opinion, the number one country that sponsors terrorism in the world. It's not Iran, it's us. We sponsor the attacks on Israel because we fund them. So we are the number one state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And as long as this regime is in in play and in power, we will remain that. So don't believe the nonsense from the media that claims Iran is the number one state sponsor of terrorism. We are. And until we change our policies, and we will not do that as long as these criminals are in charge, then we will remain that. Go ahead and tell me where I'm wrong. Be happy to know. 636-348-4460. Make me look foolish. Tell me how I'm dead wrong that we're not the ones that are sponsoring terrorism in the Middle East. Because we are. Jake Sullivan was asked if the hostages were a priority anymore. It doesn't seem like they are. Well, the president has been very clear that he has no higher priority than getting Americans back safe, Americans who are being held hostage by Hamas. The Israelis are bombing the crap out of Gaza, Jake. I mean, it doesn't seem like saving the hostages are a priority at all right now. Well, for President Biden, they are a priority. Uh, They're the highest possible priority. And he has sent hostage experts to coordinate and consult with the Israeli government on hostage recovery efforts. He's also made sure that our diplomats are in touch with third countries in the region to explore avenues for their safe release. I have to be cautious about how much I can say about certain efforts he's undertaking because we want to protect those efforts to give us the best possible chance of getting our people home. Now, Jake, one important point when it comes to the issue of the Navy SEALs is we do not at this point have pinpoint location information for where the American hostages are. So we have to continue to refine our understanding of where they are and even, Jake, who they are, because we know there are 15 unaccounted for Americans, but we cannot confirm the precise number of American hostages being held by Hamas at this time. So we don't know who they are or where they are. What kind of an operation are you running? We, we don't know how many, who, or where. Well, we know nothing. What kind of a CIA operation are you running, Biden? We know nothing. But Biden claims he wants to speak to the hostages' families by way of Zoom. Well, how are you going to speak to their families if Jake Sullivan just said, we don't know who they are? How's that going to work out? Biden talks about how passionate he is about speaking to their families. I think they have to know that the president of the United States of America cares deeply about what's happening. Deeply. We have to communicate to the world this is critical. This is not even human behavior. It's it's pure barbarism. 
and we're going to do everything in our power to get them home if we can find them. <laughs> if we can find them, we don't know who they are, who's got them, where they are, but I want to talk to their families by, by way of a Zoom because that ought to settle the families down, hearing from that criminal. I mean, you know, the same way he did with the uh, murdered U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan that he murdered, that kind of settling influence where he's checking his watch all the time. God, can I get out of here before one of these families blames me? I mean, that was the feeling that we had, wasn't it? It was the feeling I had. So how do we do this? How do we find these hostages that Biden can't find? How do we find out who they are that he doesn't know? And how do we find out who's holding them? Robert O'Brien is a former national security director. He has some ideas. Well, we've got to use all our diplomatic tools. So we need to use third parties like Qatar and Turkey and maybe Egypt, folks that are in contact with Hamas to let them know that we want our citizens back. And uh, But we've also got to employ the military option. The, the Israelis are highly capable and they've got great hostage rescue teams, as we know, from the radon in Tebi on up. But they don't have enough to handle all the hostages. And so we need to move the forward. We need to move forward into the region, our Delta Force, the SEAL teams, and have them staged in Israel, in Egypt, in the Sinai, ready to go, so that when the ground invasion starts and there are opportunistic opportunities to, uh, to rescue hostages, that we can do so quickly and don't have to bring them from Dam Neck or from Fort Bragg and, and get them all the way there. We need them there waiting right now, so that when an opportunity arises, we can we can strike. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? But the question would would be asked, why aren't they? Why aren't the Navy SEALs over there? What are we doing? Biden says, well, you know, we're talking to the Israelis as to how best to find the hostage, all this. What are we doing? And as far as the Israelis are concerned, enough with your warning the citizens of Gaza that you're coming in. Either go in or shut up. I'm tired of all this nonsense. You're going to destroy Hamas? Then destroy them. What are you waiting for? But go to Iran first. That should have been done already. That th- This is the great missed opportunity by both the Israelis and the United States. Because pretty soon, you're going to have Ukraine to deal with and Taiwan. This feels like a worldwide coordinated effort by all of the bad actors, doesn't it? Iran sending these thugs and these murderous villains into Israel, Ukraine being invaded by Russia, and the Chinese waiting for their chance to go into Taiwan. And their chance is now. They've got us fully distracted on two fronts. So this is the time for the Chinese to attack Taiwan. I would expect it any day. But as far as the Israelis, the United States are concerned, quit with your saber rattling. Do something. People are tired of your talk. There is no reason on this earth why they haven't gone into Iran except for Biden is defending Iran. Imagine that. Again, I'll repeat it. We are the number one state sponsor of terrorism in this world. The United States is. We fund it, we condone it, and we do nothing to stop it. And then we defend the country that pulls it off. Pretty sad, isn't it?
Pretty sad. We've allowed these people who walk right into our country, terrorist cells all over the place, we relocate them, we get them passports, we get them visas, we get them everything. We give them voting rights, we give them food, we give them credit. Biden's now threatening banks if they don't give credit to these illegal aliens. Who does he think he is? Banks are a business. It's unbelievable. Cameron Hamilton is a former Navy SEAL. How is the IDF your equals in Israel preparing for whatever comes next, which should be Iran, but should also be the hostage retake? The IDF are some of the most remarkable and brave soldiers that I ever had the opportunity to train with and to ultimately train on some of our advanced tactics from the war on terror. Their capabilities are far-ranging. They have infrastructure, resources that all integrate in a very cohesive fashion. So while this is a new conflict in the sense that perhaps the bombings or the specific techniques employed by Hamas might be new or novel or the threats, uh, but the overall mission itself is not something that's new to Israel, unfortunately. They're all too prepared, and I think that they're going to be very swift and effective with how they remediate this. Well, they're not swift, and they're not effective so far. But swift has come and gone. Swift has passed. It's been over a week now. Swift has gone. And don't you kind of want to know what the Israelis are doing to repair that breach in that supposedly impenetrable wall? We hear all the time about these tunnels that the terrorists have dug to Gaza City into Israel. Why weren't those tunnels that we've been hearing about for years closed down by the Israelis? You know, I'm all for Israel. But I'm not like Biden. I don't just say, well, we back Israel. ho, 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 ho. No, we back Israel, but Israel better pull their weight right here. Why are they doing nothing except talking? You promised to wipe out Hamas, then do it. Well, Kevin, there's hostages. Do you think those hostages are going to survive this? If we don't have the commandos to go in and rescue the hostages, then those hostages are not going to survive this. But it doesn't matter. Go to Iran first. If they start killing hostages when you go to Iran, then you go in and wipe them all out. I don't give a damn about their, their quote, innocent civilians. There, there's nobody innocent in Gaza. There's nobody innocent in the, in the entire Palestinian territories. Give me a break. They've been doing this for hundreds of years. Their countries don't care how many Israelis they slaughter. So Biden, on 60 Minutes last night, claims that we, the United States, can handle wars on multiple fronts. We're the United States of America, for God's sake. The most powerful nation in the history, not in the world, in the history of the world. The history of the world. We can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. We have the capacity to do this, and we have an obligation to. We are the essential nation, as to, to, to Paris phrase, the former Secretary of State. And if, if we don't, who does? <laughs> We've been wondering that ever since you got elected. 
Robert O'Brien, the former National Security Advisor, your response to we are the United States, for God's sake. Russia has invaded Ukraine under the Biden administration. Iran has basically invaded Israel and is threatening to do further harm because they're not deterred by us. We've given them $70 billion in sanctions relief and $6 billion in cash for hostages. And my concern is that now China, which has been threatening Taiwan in a way they never have before and never did under the Trump administration, they're going to move on the Republic of China of Taiwan. And we would have three three adversaries and three wars. And what what causes that is it's when weakness is provocative. And our adversaries, America is not a weak country, but our adversaries perceive us as being weak. And when we're perceived as being weak, it's provocative. And they, they try and take actions. They see a gap. And they, they try and take advantage of America. And they see that gap because there is a gap. And they do perceive weakness. And they do exploit weakness. We know that. We've known that forever. If you're not paying attention, you should be. I mean, when do we wake up? When do we realize what's actually happening? And when do we take action? And as far as that's concerned, when do the Israelis take action? Now, everybody in the world understands what went on here, that the Iranians have been sponsoring Hamas, they have been funding Hamas, they've been helping train Hamas for this invasion, and they've used our money to do it. Everybody knows that. They've also used their own oil money that we've allowed them to use, that we've allowed them to make since we decide we'll be dependent on them. There's many ways that Biden has allowed Iran to fund this war and create this war and plan this war and execute this war on Israel. And with all of that evidence that everyone understands, Biden claims there's no proof that Iran was even involved. I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no this evidence point, that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of where they, did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? They, they, there's no evidence of that at this point. It's just a lie. The evidence has already come forward. Soleimani was planning this. Iranian's top general. Until Trump took him out. They've been planning this at the top levels of their government. And everyone knows it except Biden. Now, why is he defending Iran? Well, we know why. The Iranians have enriched the Biden crime family. When is this country going to wake up? I keep saying Israel needs to go in there and get something done. We need to do something. When is, when is this country going to wake up? People say, well, you know, they're, they're waking up. They're waking up in the black community now. They're supporting Trump more than ever. People are waking up all throughout the country. No, they're not. No, they're not. This country is so far from an awakening, it's not even funny. I'm waiting for Texans to support their own border, to go down there, as Governor Abbott has done with those buoys in the river, but I'm waiting for armed Texans to go down and stand watch. If the government won't do it, we need to do it. And if the government tries to block it, we need to overthrow the government. This government needs overthrow. We need a civil war more than ever. We need a revolutionary war. Do you think that if England had 
one back in 1776 that we'd be any in any worse shape than we are right now? I don't. We'd probably be better off. Maybe not through the years, through the hundreds of 200 years, but certainly in the last three years. There is no government that could have done more damage to this country than our own government has done in the last three years. None. The government doesn't exist that could have done that. Adam Credo is a reporter for the Washington Beacon. Uh, what's your response to Biden claiming that Iran isn't involved? It's laughable. It's not classified. Iran has been funding, arming, and directing Hamas for years and years um, and has supported Hezbollah, of course, on the northern border as well. Hamas leaders were in Tehran uh, nearly before this attack took place. To say that Iran did not have a role in this is a complete fabrication. And to say it's classified is even more laughable. Iran is up front about their support for Hamas and very proud of it, as you've seen from uh, the Iranian leadership statements in the past days. We've seen it all. It's all... It's all- Prima facie evidence that Iran was involved in this and planned it and other than did the physical execution of the plan had their fingerprints every place else. And yet Biden says there's no proof. It is laughable. He's an international laughingstock. Every country in the world knows who's behind this except the United States. Biden's confused. No evidence other than the, the, the mullah's own words, the Ayatollah saying, every, and, and if we, dare, if Israel dare invades Gaza, here come the Iranians. That's what they're telling you. But Biden doesn't think there's any evidence. He needs to see one of the Ayatollahs go into Israel with a gun and shoot some Israelis. Otherwise, there's no evidence that Iran was behind it. He knows if Iran was behind it, if he says that, then people know that he's behind it. Because he can deny all he wants that the $6 billion remains unfrozen or remains frozen. He can say that all he wants. It's not, and it doesn't matter. It's it's Iran's money to do with what they please, and if they have to move other money around, they'll do it. We've identified that very clearly for you. It's not hard. It's not a particular genius on our part. It just shows you the extent to which he'll go to lie about it. Everyone with a functioning brain understands if you give me $6 billion here and you say, oh, by the way, you can't use it for terrorism, but you can use it for anything else, then the money I have set aside for anything else, I'll use for terrorism. And then I'll use that money for anything else. Hello? Is that difficult? That seems to be an impossible concept for Biden to wrap his head around. that demented head that he has sitting on his shoulders. He can't seem to figure that out. Neither can the rest of them, by the way. They're all hopelessly insane. (laughs) And how close are the Iranians to having a nuclear bomb? Mike Pompeo weighs in. So the Iranians are very close to having sufficient enrichment capability. They still don't have a weapons program. There's work to do there for sure. 
But look, Maria, here, here's the deal. You, you got to confront this. If we permit the Iranians to get a nuclear weapon, there'll be multiple nuclear weapon states in the Middle East. That is really bad for the United States of America. And what our administration did is they walked in on day one and they told the Houthis in Yemen, you're no longer terrorists. We had designated them as terrorists. They said, these, these Iranian proxies in Yemen aren't terrorists. They then said, we're not going to enforce oil sanctions because we have a green climate agenda and we're going to have oil prices through the roof, gas prices through the roof, so we're going to let the Iranians ship their oil all across the world. They were about 400,000 barrels a day being shipped when I left office. They're three and a half or four million barrels a day being shipped as we sit here this morning. That's a lot of money to foment terror and build out your nuclear weapons program. Now, the, the challenge the Biden administration has is they can't admit failure. When Jake Sullivan said eight days before the attack, hey, the Middle East is pretty stable, it's pretty quiet, um, he now has to go back and say, turns out we were just wrong. We took our eye off the ball. We screwed this up. We played footsie with the Iranians, tried to get back in a deal. We underwrote them by funding the uh, Palestinians through UNRWA. We gave money to the very terrorists who killed 29 Americans. Yes, we did. We did all that stuff. But somehow the Iranians aren't involved. And it's good to know. Thank you, Joe Biden. The Iranians aren't involved. Let's revisit that Iran deal, shall we, that Biden was so quick to get back into. And I'll read to you out of Jared Kushner's wonderful book, Breaking History, when he was talking about how Trump handled getting out of the Iranian deal. When it came to Iran, Trump saw through the bureaucratic excuses and never lost sight of the grim facts. The deal had lifted economic sanctions and handed more than $100 billion to the Ayatollah and his maligned regime. As a result, Iran made a fortune and boosted its military budget by nearly 40%, the same military budget that will attack Israel now. The Iranian regime built missiles capable of carrying nuclear warheads and funneled support to al-Qaeda, the Taliban, Hezbollah, Hamas, and other terrorist organizations, which were actively working to destabilize Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, Yemen, and other countries. Most consequentially, perhaps, the deal failed on the very issue it set out to address. It allowed Iran to continue to enrich nuclear material, lacked the robust inspection and enforcement mechanism, and made no mention of Iran's missile program. As a result, the world's leading sponsor of terrorism was emboldened to pursue a nuclear weapon. In April of 2018, Bibi Netanyahu convened a press conference in Tel Aviv and revealed to the world that Mossad had broken into a secret warehouse in Tehran and obtained thousands of documents showing conclusively that Iran had been engaged in a clandestine program to develop and test nuclear weapons. The regime had hidden its designs from the international community and lied in claiming it did not have a nuclear weapons program. The revelation provided concrete evidence that the Iranians had failed to comply with the terms of the deal and in fact showed they had never intended to comply. President Trump now had a firm basis for withdrawing from the deal, reimposing the highest level of sanctions, and asking our partners to follow his lead. On May 8th, President Trump announced his decision at the heart of the Iran deal was a giant fiction that a murderous regime desired only a peaceful nuclear energy program. Today's action sends a critical message. The United States no longer makes empty threats. When I make promises, I keep them. And the president withdrew from the Iranian deal, the Iran nuclear deal. Only to have Biden beg to get us back in. Beg. We, we want to keep sponsoring terrorism. Let us keep doing it. 
It's sick, really. And it's dangerous, really. And we understand how dangerous it is. If you have a brain that works, Biden doesn't have that capability. And, you know, let's, let's not absolve Congress in all of this. These people are supposed to provide a check and balance so that we don't have a dictator involved. And yet they don't. The greatest political criminals in this country are Congress, Senate, and House, which is why if you vote for a single incumbent, then you are part of the problem. I don't care who your favorite person is, vote them out. I wouldn't suggest anything that I won't do. I am done voting for incumbents. I've made that announcement many times before. You may not care. Maybe you think it's a good idea. Maybe you don't think it's a good idea. I'd love to hear from you if you don't think it's a good idea, though. Please make the compelling case to not vote out everybody that's in Congress. Make that case for me. Tell me what a great job they're doing protecting us, solving problems, bringing down inflation. Tell me what a great job they're doing, and I'll vote for every incumbent around. But you got to show me evidence. I can show you evidence to the contrary. All you have to do is look at your daily life. Things going well for you? Who do you blame? So it's pretty simple for me. And so they're that close, the the, uh, Iranians are, to getting a nuclear weapon. And as far as escalating in this Middle Eastern conflict now, Mike Pompeo, is the risk more dangerous now of escalation? that the risk is greater today than it was even eight days ago that we'll see escalation, uh, in, in large part because the context that was set uh, by the Biden administration creates an incredible conundrum. And when they can't simply acknowledge that this is Iran as the correct address to solve this problem. Uh, second, uh, we know that the Ayatollah has been planning this effort. Uh, I saw today reporting that Qasem Soleimani, the man that we actually took off the playing field, was involved in planning this operation back in 2019 and 2020. And yet the administration still says there's no direct evidence. I suppose they'd need a video of the Ayatollah actually pulling the trigger on a artillery round for them to admit there was direct evidence. We, we know we know who did this. This was Iran. The response must be against Iran. And this will continue, whether from the Houthis in Yemen or the Shia militias in Iraq or sleeper cells in Denver or Houston. Uh, this will continue to emanate. This terror will continue to emanate until Iran is put in its place. And, and that's the task that's in front of all of us. I'm confident Israel will do its part on the ground in Gaza Strip. But we've got to get this right at this moment. Bingo. But we're not going to get it right. And he knows that. But he was wise to mention the sleeper cells, too, that are in Denver or Roanoke or wherever they are, wherever Biden has stashed them away. They're there. And we must attack Iran first. We have to put Iran in their place. But we won't. I promise you this. As sure as today is Monday, we will not do that. It'll be left to the Israelis. And I don't know what the Israelis are doing. Because they need to be going into Iran right now. Don't worry about the hostages right now. Go blow up Iran. Then they'll know that Hamas will, that they're next. So when Iran makes threats that if we go in, or if the Israelis go into Gaza, that they're going to intervene, then go get Iran first. Look, this is so simple, it's ridiculous. But they won't do it. 
I'm certain that the Israelis won't go into Iran because Biden's telling them not to, and we sure as hell won't go in. And as a result, we're going to be at the mercy of a nuclear-armed Iran in just a matter of years, maybe sooner. And when they get a nuclear bomb, what do you think they're going to do? Sit on it? If Israel's serious about protecting its own country, they better take that out right now. There's, you don't deal with these people. Netanyahu made a speech saying no country should talk to them. You're talking about Hamas, but you're talking to, you're talking about Iran as well. They are Hamas. They're one and the same. So why, why would you even have a discussion with them? Blow them off the face of the earth. It's the only answer. All of the people who out there want to play footsie with all these people, you don't understand evil. You think everybody's going to be coming to the table and talking, okay, you give me this, I'll give you that. Are you nuts? Is that how they handled it, innocent Israelis when they invaded their country last weekend? Did they talk to him? They sit down and talk to him. Listen, we don't like the way you treat us. Can we have better understandings here? Is that what they did? You're going to hear from one of the survivors of that concert who ran for her life on what it was like. There was no negotiating. These people don't negotiate. They murder. And I'm not saying go into Iran and murder everybody. I'm saying go into Iran and blow up their refineries and blow up their nuclear energy plants. Just blow them up. Now, if somebody's dumb enough to be in those refineries when you hit them, that's their fault. Israel's good about giving 24-hour notice. Well, give it and go. How come you haven't gone into Gaza? You warned these people to get out of there, and now the terrorists have taken their car keys. That's the latest. They've gone house to house and taken keys away from their own citizens to prevent them from escaping Gaza. That's how humane those people are. Can't even get out of the country. (laughs) And yet Biden thinks that there's no evidence that the Iranians are involved. He sees none. Robert O'Brien understands the meaning of taking American hostages and killing Americans, that we have had war declared on us. This is a really terrible thing for the United States. Uh, Hamas has declared war not just on Israel, but on the United States of America. They've killed 30 Americans. They, they knowingly have at least 13 American hostages, not to mention the Israeli hostages. And it's time for them to be released and sent home. I mean, Iran talks about escalating. Uh, Hezbollah talks about escalating. Hamas has threatened to kill our hostages. And yet all we can muster is to say we're standing by Israel. We need to send a very clear message to the hostage takers and to the killers of Americans that you can run, but you can't hide. And they better release our hostages forthwith, or there are going to be very severe consequences, not just from Israel, but from the United States of America. Now, that's the way it should be. They've declared war on us. Robert O'Brien's 100% correct. And why are we messing around? See, here's the deal. When Trump was president, nobody declared war on us. Nobody dared. Nobody dared invade another country. 
And sure as hell, as soon as a Democrat gets in, we've, we've got wars everywhere. And the media and the Congress don't seem to understand whose policies this is that has caused wars worldwide. Two of them ongoing, a third one sure to come in Taiwan. And how do you put an end to it? You put an end to it real fast. You know, we keep hearing some of these congressmen going on all these talk shows and telling us all, hey, uh, this isn't going to work out for us because we've got to restock all of our ammunition and all of our weaponry. Well, you don't have to if you go in and end it today. But the longer you let it play out and drag out, the more we're going to be sinking deeper into trouble to defending ourselves when the inevitable hits here. It's inevitable. We went through all of those precautions in the airline industry and every place else after 9-11 to keep the bastards out. And what do we do? Biden came in, opened up the southern border, and invited them all back in. And yet he doesn't seem to take a serious enough hit regarding that from people. Because liberal people are born stupid. There's nothing you can do about that. There's no drug that will cure that kind of stupidity. That is inherent to liberals. They're born with it. It's in their DNA. They're just dumb people. Nathan Sales is a former counterterrorism coordinator. And these are the kind of people that are smart, actually. Unfortunately, they're not running the country. (laughs) We wish they were. But Nathan Sales, as a former counterterrorism coordinator, understands the importance of the southern border. We've got to lock down the southern border. In the past three and a half years, we've seen a dramatic spike in the number of watch-listed individuals, suspected terrorists, who've made it into the country from zero in 2019 all the way up to 154 in fiscal year 2022. Um, all of this is happening on the Biden administration's watch, and those are just the ones we know about. What about the people who managed to make it into the country undetected? Uh, The first priority for any government is to secure its border to protect its people. And we're falling asleep at the job. I wouldn't say falling asleep. We've been in a slumber ever since Biden walked in there. But he's right. But if you, you know, this is a country that when you dare point out who's coming across that border, you're called a racist or a homophobe or this or that. I couldn't care less. But most people do care. Most people say, oh gosh, I better not say that then. Because most people in this country are cowards. We live in a cowardly society. We have allowed the liberal culture to infect us with the kind of sinful cowardice that they possess. As a society now, the United States culture is one of cowardice. We are cowards. And anytime you say something that you think someone might not agree with, you immediately start apologizing for it. That's the culture we live in. If you don't believe me, just look around. Look around at your own life. When you say something, you're afraid someone might react to it? I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. In fact, if they do react to it, when I say something, I'll have something to say back. It'll be stronger than the first statement. 
And I don't understand why people don't feel the same way. I really don't. Except for cowardice. The cowards, the cowardly culture has infected this country like no virus ever could. The cowardice of liberals that's infected the rest of the people in this country has done more damage than any COVID or any derivative of COVID could ever begin to inflict upon us. There's nothing worse in my life than cowards. I hate them. I detest them. I detest their very existence. They sicken me. And yet we are a nation of cowards. We have nothing but cowards for the most part. If you could ever break it down, I would guess the percentage in this country is about 80% cowardice to 20% people that aren't. It might be way, way higher. But it demonstrates itself every day. Anytime a United States citizen gives an opinion on something and immediately has to apologize or say they're sorry for offending someone, that's cowardice. And that's what we live in. Now, how did it transform so quickly? It does seem like it happened quickly, doesn't it? I assume it transformed over a number of years. It started with Obama. It took leave of absence when Donald Trump was in. But you notice that when Trump was in, if you did say something that they disagreed with, they were coming after you. They didn't have the power that they have now. We didn't have any political gulags. But we do now. And DeSantis made a statement over the weekend that I completely agree with. They're now talking about having some of these Gaza refugees, these Palestinian refugees, take refuge where? The United States, of course. DeSantis, what are your thoughts about that? My position is very clear. Uh, Those Gaza refugees, Palestinian Arabs, should go to Arab countries. The U.S. should not be absorbing um, any of those. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. Carpe diem to you. Why would we think we should? Why in the world would any thought like that ever enter our minds? That we should harbor the people who live in the country, in the Gaza Strip, whether it's a country or not is debatable, that attacked our strongest ally. Why would we give them safe harbor? Only imbeciles would, and of course that's why Biden wants to do it. But good for DeSantis. I assume most people feel the same way, Trump. We're not going to give these refugees any safe harbor. In fact, we don't want any refugees, period, anymore. We need to take a break from the refugee business. With all these illegal aliens set to destroy our country, all they need is a little more time to plan their attack. We all know it. It's not a surprise. It's coming. It's just like Deion Sanders in Colorado. We coming. Although Deion didn't come last week. He lost a 29 to nothing lead. <laughs> I hope we're not doing that. Kind of seems like we are, though. Feels like we are. So the craziness is everywhere. Sonny Hostin Houston, that noted genius, actually compared Hamas to the Proud Boys organization here in the United States, an organization, a group of people that simply defends conservatives' right to speak. So if they catch Antifa physically violating a conservative speaker's right to say something, the Proud Boys step in and defend that right. 
According to the liberals, of course, that makes the Proud Boys fascists and Nazis. The great Sonny Hostenhusen is proud of Hamas, apparently, but she hates the Proud Boys. That we all know that Hamas has been designated uh, a terror organization, just like many other terror organizations have had this designation, like the Proud Boys here in the United States. Um, but I, but I do think that what we need to remember is that there is an international human rights body of law, and when you look at that law, part of it is retaliation against. Innocent civilians collectively is also terror and is also a war crime. So the Israelis, if they go into Gaza, are committing war crimes and are terrorists in that lunatic's way of explaining things. And she is a lunatic. So the Israelis are not supposed to retaliate. And if innocent people get killed, then that's a war crime. No, that's not a war crime. She doesn't even know what a war crime is. When people are killed accidentally in collateral damage of a war, that happens. That's not a war crime. What the Hamas terrorists did, led by Iran, that's a war crime. The Israelis aren't going to go in to people's homes, burn them alive, behead their children, burn their houses down, then shoot them. That's not going to happen. So, Sonny Hostenhusen, you can take your liberal bullshit and stick it up your ass because you are so full of crap, it comes out your ears every day of your life. You are one sick human being and sickeningly arrogant on top of that. And she is a major coward. She defines the liberal way of life. Coward, big mouth, uninformed stooge. That's liberalism. It's hard to beat, right? Makes you wonder how Donald Trump was so successful in the Middle East, and Mark Levin thinks he knows how. Trump killed Soleimani, the head Nazi, really, of the Iranian military. Trump was destroying the Iranian economy with brutal sanctions. The Iranians were rising up. They don't like that government. They don't like the Nazi government in Tehran. And they're now being mowed down, slaughtered, raped, imprisoned, God knows what, because of our current policies. Trump was Israel's greatest friend in the Oval Office ever. Can that be said of Obama or Biden? No. Biden reversed everything. Biden rebuilt the Iranian war machine. I'm sure the reporters and others getting information from the Biden Pentagon and White House won't tell you this. No, no, no. I'll tell you this. Biden rebuilt the Palestinian war machine. They were all on their heels. That's why there wasn't a war when Donald Trump was president between the Nazi terrorists and the Iranian Nazi regime and the Israelis. It's 100% why. They feared Donald Trump. All of them did. Jared Kushner understands that there would have been no war with Ukraine from Russia if Trump were still in office. I think 100% it would have been avoided, not 99%. You know, President Trump for uh, four years had no problems with Russia. You know, we were we were arming Ukraine, but we were working with Russia. And again, the first two years, we had a little bit of issue working with Russia because they were accused of colluding with us since so we had to go through that investigation but uh, but in the second two years, we were trying to focus Russia on 
what are the areas where we can collaborate together? I think Russia, you know, we thought it was in their strategic advantage to play uh, U.S. and China against each other because of the way that everything was done before. They were stuck with China, but not getting a lot for it. Um, under Bush, they took Georgia. Under Obama, they took Crimea. Under Trump, there was no problems. And then under Biden, uh, unfortunately, I think they misplayed a couple of things, uh, which I think provoked, uh, you know, Russia to, to go forward. That's a pretty good summation of how it's all happened. Remember when Trump would say, why, why did the liberals in the media criticize him for trying to have a relationship with Putin? Isn't it good for the United States if Trump gets along with Putin? He wondered that aloud. He was right. Why wouldn't that be good? It doesn't mean you agree with him or you support his barbaric acts. But these things wouldn't have happened if Trump was president. You know how we know that? I always remind people. Because he was president, and none of it happened. Kushner's right. There'd be no war with Ukraine. Give me a break. How did Trump keep peace in the Middle East, Jared? And he did things like uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of, of Israel. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem. He recognized the Golan Heights. He got out of the Iran deal. Um, we did an economic conference in Bahrain where we brought Israelis uh, to meet with, you know, Saudi and Emirati and Qatari businessmen and everyone came together and, and each one of these instances were unthinkable previously. And everyone said that if you did it, the world was going to end. And every time President Trump did one, the next morning, the sun rose, the next evening, the sun set and things moved on. And so by doing that, what President Trump did was he, he slaughtered a lot of the sacred cows of these, these false barriers that people had erected and showed people that the vast majority of the people in the Middle East, whether they're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, whatever religion they are, they just want to live better lives. And Jared Kushner experienced that firsthand as the lead negotiator on the Abraham Accords. And when one of the, one of the countries nearly had their agreement blow up, it was Jared Kushner who sped to the rescue of that agreement. Because the Trump administration knew what it was doing. The clowns that are involved now have no clue. The clowns in Congress have no clue. Zero. When you hear Jared Kushner describe what went on in the Trump White House, you long for those days, don't you? Long for those days of peace. Long for those days of prosperity at home with a humming economy. No one without a job that wanted to work. No inflation. Nobody threatening us, except the threats from within. Yeah, it's easy to long for those days. Very easy. Jared Kushner says, just look at President Trump's body of work if you want to know what he did. Look at his body of work. People said if he was elected, he would start World War III. Meanwhile, we inherited a world filled with wars, no new wars, right? Uh, three years, he made peace deals, no new wars. He was tough. He was strong. People respected him. He built relationships and uh, got trade deals done, got peace deals done. The economy was rocking. His body work, I think, was pretty strong as president. And all people have to do is Google it. I always tell you, Google Trump's accomplishments as president. You'll have an hour to look at them all, or you'll need an hour, I should say. You might not have an hour. 
But anyone who takes an honest look at the president's track record will realize just what Jared Kushner just spoke about. And you, and you can't see concrete evidence of building relationships, but you see the results. You see the Abraham Accords. You see peace throughout the world. You see an economy on fire. So we don't know every little detail that President Trump performed to get us where we were, but it was all good. We do know that. And I, I wonder always how Jared Kushner's guys were able to be successful in the Middle East where no one else had been before them. No one else, not one president in this country, not one international head of state anywhere else had ever been successful in the Middle East. So, Jared Kushner, how were you guys able to do it? The way we were able to be successful was we severely limited the resources of Iran, and they were focused more internally, and they couldn't cause the trouble that they were causing everywhere else. Since we've left, obviously, the dynamics have changed. But um, the, the way you get to peace is obviously, number one, through strength, and number two, by finding a way for people to be better off tomorrow than they are today. And what I found was that most of the voices looking for violence or trouble were people who were just focused on what happened two years ago, 20 years ago, 70 years ago, a thousand years ago. People who were trying to solve those problems in that context uh, often were, were looking more to use those past grievances as a justification for their power and for the bad behavior that they were looking to perpetuate. Spot on carp. Big quadruple times DM Jared Kushner. And when you read his book, he explains all of it. these Middle East negotiations were so tense because the people involved had ingrained in their heads what had happened a thousand years ago or a hundred years ago. And their only way to hold on to power and cause trouble was to hold on to those same ideas and those same ways of living which is what Biden does. Biden's way to hold on to power is to shake down foreign governments. But Trump kept his promises when it came to things like Jerusalem. Talking about Trump's 2018 move of the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, this is some serious big balls move. The man doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. So let's rewind to his campaign promises. He was all like, Jerusalem is the true capital of Israel, and I'm going to recognize it. Lots of folks thought he was just blowing hot air. But the Don, he ain't one for empty words. He gets elected and bam, the embassy's on the move. Now this didn't happen overnight. No, it took a bit of time, but by May 2018, the embassy's open for business in Jerusalem. And the reaction? You'd think the man had started World War III. All the liberals, all the media, they're losing their goddamn minds. They're saying it's a disaster, it's a huge mistake, it's going to cause a war. They're so caught up in their Trump-hating that they can't even see the power move that just happened. They're freaking hypocrites. See, recognizing Jerusalem ain't just about Israel. It's a signal to the entire Middle East, to the entire world, that America stands with its allies no matter what. It's a statement loud and clear that the U.S. won't be pushed around, won't be influenced by threats. Meanwhile, all these former presidents, they promised the same thing but never delivered. Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama. They all said they'd move the embassy, but when the time came, they chickened out, too afraid of the political fallout. But Trump, he doesn't give a rat's ass about political correctness. He cares about keeping promises. This move cements the U.S.-Israel relationship in a big way. It says to Israel, we've got your back. And to the rest of the world, watch out, because we mean business. Guess what? We didn't get the predicted World War III. The world kept spinning. That's the kind of ballsy leadership a lot of people believe we need.
It is what we need. And, of course, we don't have it. But that was a great summation of Trump in Israel and why empty words ring hollow from Biden and his criminal cronies. We've got Israel's back. Shut up. Until you do something, like go in and blow up Iran, you haven't done anything that indicates you have Israel's back, whatever that means. Would you want Joe Biden to have your back? I mean, honestly, if you had a serious issue, a safety issue, would you want the one guy who's got your back to be Joe Biden? I wouldn't. You'd have to be crazy. I can almost hear the Israelis screaming, not that. We don't want you to have our back. We want you to help us blow up Iran. We'll get, we'll take care of Gaza after that. In one sense, going into Gaza might spur the Iranians into action. And then there's legit, uh, legitimacy worldwide for just blowing them off the face of the earth. Maybe I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're thinking that way. Otherwise, there's no reason not to go in there now into Iran. I mean, And remember when when it came time to take Soleimani out, Trump's constant and consistent recollection of that is that Benjamin Netanyahu chickened out at the last minute. But I'll never forget, I'll never forget that Bibi Netanyahu let us down. That was a very terrible thing. We were disappointed by that, very disappointed, but we did the job ourselves, and it was absolute precision, magnificent, beautiful job. And then uh, Bibi tried to take credit for it. That's not going to work. Bibi's another casualty of disloyalty to Trump. And that's too bad. Because no, no, no president in this country was a stronger ally to Israel than Donald Trump was by actions, not just empty words. And he doesn't forget that stuff, and neither would I. Natalie Sanandaji is an Israeli girl who was at the concert with tons of her friends on a peaceful Saturday with the sun shining when all hell broke loose. Try to put yourself in her shoes as you hear her describe the harrowing escape that she and her friends made while having to make a split-second decision that had they made it the other way would have cost them their lives. Every decision you made had to be a split-second decision that could have either saved you or gotten you killed. Um, at a certain point, we passed this ditch, and a bunch of kids were hiding in this ditch, and me and my friends contemplated getting in inside the ditch as well and hiding from the gunmen. Um, and then my friend said, don't do it. If they come and they see us in the ditch and they're above us, we have nowhere to run. Right. We kept running, and we later found out that all the kids who stayed are no longer with us. That's just brutal. She also recounted where she went into a, a, a porta potty, and minutes later, they they were gone. They left, and they later saw a video of that entire area just obliterated with bullet holes. They were shooting at those porta potties in case people were in their hiding. Christopher Ray says 
it's time for us to be vigilant. So here's the director of the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world claiming that he, his people, are miserable failures at their job protecting us. And so that we, the United States citizens, better be vigilant about an attack imminent on our soil from these sleeper cells that Biden has let in. So let me try to recap this for you. Christopher Ray, who's in bed with the Department of Justice as criminals, failed to protect us while attacking and going after their political opponents. And as a result of that failure, now exhort us to protect ourselves. We're not going to do it. History has been witness to anti-Semitic and other forms of violent extremism for far too long. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. Rather than giving speeches, shouldn't he be at work? Do we really need the FBI director to be giving speeches? Never in our nation's history has one office yielded so much corruption as the director of the FBI office has yielded. Every single FBI director from J. Edgar Hoover to Christopher Wray has been corrupt. It's unbelievable. You would have to say that in Ray's case, he's far worse than anybody who went before him, perhaps worse than all of them combined, because he has the snake, snakely habits of Comey, he has the arrogance of J. Edgar Hoover, and the political warfare, Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover went after his political opponents, Christopher Ray does the same. But in addition, Christopher Ray can't protect us. Why hasn't the FBI jumped into the border fracas? So Christopher Ray wants you and me to stop terrorism attacks that are sure to come on our soil. While he didn't lift a finger to close the southern border. And so what would what would Biden be screaming about now? Well, guns, of course. Pass again the assault weapons ban, which Diane and I passed. No excuse. Who in God's name needs a weapon with a hundred rounds in a chamber? <laughs> the weapon's only meant for one thing, to kill people. <laughs> I saw a meme of all of these savages parachuting into Israel, and the caption was, you're right, who would need an AR-15? What would we need one for? Let me tell you why people in this country need them, Biden. Whether legal or illegal, it's the only way of self-defense against you and your corrupt regime. Now, as I've always said, if the military is against us, you can own as many AR-15s as you want. You can have bazooka launchers. You can have rocket launchers. You can have it all, and we're, we're dead. We're doomed because we don't have what the military has. So if they're not on our side, it doesn't matter how many guns we have. But it will matter in a civil war if the military stays out of it. For instance, I would love for the, the, the people of this country to take on the FBI. I would love it. I guarantee you the FBI wouldn't last more than two days. 
And why do we not? Why do we not take them on? They're corrupt. They go around harassing and terrorizing innocent people. They arrest them in the middle of the night with SWAT teams that have to be made up of the most worthless people on earth. Talk about big-ass cowards. These SWAT teams have to be the most cowardly people that you've ever seen in your life. They run in and attack people, defenseless people, in the middle of the night with artillery armed to the gills and act like they're tough guys. Thank God I don't know any SWAT team people because I would tell them what I think of them to their freaking face. You fucking cowards. That's all you are. You're political, you're politically corrupt and you are cowards. Every SWAT team guy out there is a fucking coward. That's all they are. And I wish the country would turn on them and go after them. That's what I wish. Then we've got these document cases that the corrupt FBI and their cowardly SWAT teams don't pursue on Biden. Mike Turner says, this is a congressman, let's just treat these document cases one and the same, shall we? You're getting leak after leak after leak on the Trump documents. You're hearing nothing on the Biden documents. So you're continuing to see the inequality that comes out of the Justice Department as there's silence on the other side with respect to Biden's. Uh, and by the way, he was a he was a serial classified document hoarder. I reviewed documents that were from yeah. all the time that he's he's been in government. Uh, this really is a very serious breach by President Biden. Just to, to be clear here, though, are you saying that President Biden had top secret and TSSCI classification level documents in his personal home? That, that's, that, that's, that's public already, uh, Margaret. That, that is, so I'm not confirming something that, that people don't already know. That is correct. How stupid is she? <laughs> so you're confirming that you think this. It's already public knowledge, you idiot. I mean, how bad are these people on these networks? You are so miserably uninformed, it scares me. She thought she was breaking news. She thought she she was actually pigeonholing Mike Turner. Oh, you're going to say this, are you? Well, it's already public knowledge, you moron. (laughs) They're incredible. (laughs) Oh, Matt Gates, would you share with us why no speaker has been chosen yet? And I've got to share with you some troubling news that we just learned. After having elected Jim Jordan of Ohio, the House Speaker designate on Friday, we took Saturday off, we're taking today off, and I've just learned that Pro Tem Patrick McHenry will now ensure that we take Monday off and we don't vote. I am here in Washington. We are meeting with our colleagues. Uh, My colleague Corey Mills came back from Israel where he was engaging in harrowing rescues to be here to elect Jim Jordan for speaker. But what the swamp is trying to do, they're trying to delay a vote for Jim Jordan because they know he is not beholden to the lobbyists and special interests here. So I'm in this interview with you to turn up the heat on Patrick McHenry and any Republican who would try to delay a floor vote on Jim Jordan. If they don't want to vote for him, let him do it in public another carpe diem to matt gates what's with these cowards these republican cowards cowards are the theme of the day so these republican cowards aren't allowing a vote that's democracy i'm telling you 
as corrupt and as despicable as Democrats are, Republicans can F up anything. And it's usually because Republicans are lacking in a spine. They don't have one. Never have. And they're certainly not certainly not demonstrating one now. Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Konikis is a member of the IDF, which is Israelis, the Israelis um, Navy SEALs teams. He knows that the information he's received is that Hamas is now blocking citizens of Gaza from leaving. The Israelis have dumped literature in the form of leaflets. They've broadcast warnings for them to leave or die. And now the terrorists regime led by the Iranians are taking the keys away from ordinary citizens to prevent them from leaving Gaza so that they can hold them as human shields should the attack come forward. Hamas is stopping Palestinian civilians from evacuating from the dangerous area of the north to the safer area in the south. And that is extremely sad. I think it is cynical beyond belief. What we are doing is assessing the situation. We are urging Palestinians by various means, by messaging and by other means, to evacuate, to care for their own survival and interest, not to heed Hamas and their directives, and basically not to become pawns or human shields for Hamas in this war. We've said it very clearly. The civilians are not our enemies. Hamas is our enemy, and we are only after Hamas and its military capabilities. Uh, the civilian population, as far as we can go, we don't want them harmed. Incredible, isn't it? Now, you don't hear Hamas or Iran talk like that. They don't care about any of the citizens of Israel. In fact, they intentionally murdered them and slaughtered them. It wasn't accidental collateral damage that killed all of those people. It was intentional murder of the most barbaric kind. But again, there comes a time when you have to stop trying to be nice. Okay, war isn't nice. Having 1,300 people in your country slaughtered by these savages, it's not nice. You don't win by being nice. Peace through strength. It's the simplest concept ever. It's just its like dealing with a bully. If there's a bully on your street who's picking on all the younger kids, is he ever going to stop on his own? Or are you going to have to stop him? Most people don't have the stomach for the fight. Most people, overwhelmingly, most people don't. They want nothing to do with it. They'd rather be bullied than have the guts to stand up to a bully. It's a frightening concept, isn't it? Never understood that trait in people, but it's in most people. But in this particular situation, that can't be. We're going to find out if Israel has the stomach for the fight, if they do what they say they're going to do. We're going to find out if they actually go into Iran and destroy the nuclear weaponry and the oil refineries. The United States isn't going to do it. We know that it's the United States' responsibility to do it, 
but they're not going to do it. Not while this clown's in there. So you've got a minimum of a year and three months before the United States will do anything. So when Biden says he has their back, he doesn't. He has no one's back. And no one would want him to have your back. But if the Israelis are waiting on help from the United States, it's going to be until a year from November when we elect a new president and then until January when we swear him in. So it's a year from January before any help will come to the Israelis or any place else for that matter. And the Iranians know that they have from now until a year from January that they don't have to worry about anything. Nothing's going to happen to them. The other day in Congress, there was a hearing about children being abused. And one of the women that was a witness, called by the Republicans, was someone who was in the Capitol area on January 6th, waving a a Trump flag. Didn't go in the Capitol, wasn't on the Capitol grounds. And was there to testify about child abuse. So when Eric Swalwell gets to question her, the questioning is 100% about January 6th and something that she tweeted about being glad she was home. She got fed up with him, told him where to go, basically. And then Troy Nell's a congressman, was next up, a congressman from Texas. He decided to make sure that the world knew just what Smallwell is all about. Uh, Ms. Rodriguez, I apologize that you had to. You're here for a hearing on the border. They don't want to talk about a border. Uh, Mr. Swalwell is down there. Obviously, everybody knows he's made some comments He's got a, a checkered past. He's alleged I'm sorry, relationships. Uh, checkered past? Uh, alleged, I would ask. Uh, it's my time. Mr. Alleged affairs checkered relationships past? with No, 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 no. Yum yum. You don't get to say that shit. That's, he, that's not true. He had true. alleged relationships and with Yum Yum. I asked the, gen- uh, uh, the gentleman's words be taken down. You don't get to say that, I asked the gentleman's words be taken down. as casting a slur on another member. I am here. He's making... I asked the words of the gentleman be taken down. as casting a slur on another member. How about the little nerd Nadler? I suggest the, the gentleman's words be taken down as slurring another member. And how about Swalwell with his profanity in the, in the great halls of Congress? What do you mean that's not true? Of course it's true. You were sleeping with a Chinese spy. That's not even debatable. That's a fact. And good for Troy Nels. That woman was there to testify about child abuse on the border. It had nothing to do with January 6th, but the punk swallow, and he is a punk in every sense of the word, a punk. He just got his ass handed to him. Carpe diem, Congressman Nels. That's beautiful stuff. You know what else is beautiful? A good, solid health insurance policy. And you may think you have one. I always tell the story I thought I did. But I was open-minded enough when I talked to Jordan Krugman, thehealthinsuranceguy.net. That's where you can find him, thehealthinsuranceguy.net. Or you can call him, 314-602-4055, 602-4055. And when I talked to him, I said, you know, I think I have a really good plan, but I'll let you take a look at it. And he did. And I'm glad he did. Because I found out I didn't have a great plan. And now is the best time for you to consider your health care options for next year. 2024 enrollment starts November 1st, two weeks from now. It runs through January 15th. Now, Jordan will be the first to tell you that if you are suffering with Obamacare, please get rid of it. That should be the last and final resort 
for anybody. You've got government in your life some more if you have it. It's very restrictive. The provider and hospital networks that they have, you can't find them. Coverage doesn't cross state lines. Very high deductibles, high out-of-pocket costs. That's not what Jared Krugman's about. He looks for low comprehensive alternatives that you might not even know are out there. Chances are you won't. I certainly didn't. Some plans have a zero deductible. When have you ever heard of that? Zero deductible. But what Jordan wants to do is get rid of your out-of-pocket costs for accidental injuries, hospitalizations, life-threatening illnesses. There was one lady who had over $100,000 in chemo bills, treatments for her cancer. She had to pay zero. Those stories come out all the time from Jordan's clients. He's licensed in 23 states. His office is right here, but he's in Illinois as well. And don't forget, he's got dental plans, vision plans, prescription, long-term care, disability, life insurance. But he's a broker. He's not an insurance agent for one company. So he can tailor your plan to fit your financial needs and your medical needs and then get you the best deal out there. And that's what he does. Never any broker fees. And all consultations are free. He can conduct any meeting with you by way of Zoom. You won't have to leave your own home. If you're Medicare, yes, he, he can handle that for you too. It's very confusing as you approach age 65 with all the literature the insurance companies fill your mailbox with. But he's got help for you with Medicare supplements, Advantage plans, Part D drug plans. And it'll make it simple and it'll make it easy to understand. Jordan Krugman, thehealthinsuranceguy.net. 314-602-4055. I would take a break. We'll come right back. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame. What the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world. Whipping holes, so the rich men know the rich men. Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to eat And the old beast milk and welfare God, if you're five foot three And you're three hundred pounds Taxes ought not to pay For your bags of butt drowns Young men are putting themselves Six feet in the ground Cause all this damn country does Is keep on kicking them down Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new 
you do And then I don't think you know But I know that you do Cause your dollar ain't shit And it's tax to no end Cause the rich men Know the rich men Selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. Welcome back in. Kevin Slayton with you. This is the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Window World, Kings Court. On kevinslaytonshow.com, this is where you come every day for the unvarnished truth, backed by facts and evidence. And then, of course, the podcast will be right here on kevinslaytonshow.com, as well as Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, Anchor, and any place else that you listen to podcasts. By the way, a reminder that we have our sports show, the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com sports show, on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com from noon to 2 central time today. We'll be recapping the Mizzou game from uh, Saturday, the come-from-behind win for Missouri. Illinois with a big win on Saturday. And uh, the first game of the American League Championship Series, won by the Texas Rangers last night. All of that and more on our Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, sports show today at noon on 590 The Fan. Don't forget our friends at stl-cars.com. Another great weekend of business they had. I had a gentleman email me last night. Can you please tell me about stl-cars.com? I want to go get a car. I said, absolutely. Here it is. Here's the info. Go to the website, three one. Excuse me, stl-cars.com. Over a 1,000 vehicles to look at, cars, trucks, SUVs. Pick the one you want, then call 314-626-3251. Ask for Don. You can call or text, either one. 314-626-3251. They're locally owned and operated right here in Ellisville off Truman Boulevard, uh, right off Manchester there. Truman Road, I should say. Buying a car, used or new, shouldn't be like going to the dentist and getting a root canal. It should be fun and easy, and it shouldn't take all day. And with STL-Cars.com, it doesn't. I personally have purchased three vehicles from these folks through the years. My last one came from Tennessee. My son just purchased an SUV from them, came from Alabama. And when I mention where it came from, it's because of this. If you go on the website and you look at all the vehicles and you don't quite find what you want, call or text Don anyway at 314-626-3251. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want to pay for it. And presto, he'll get it for you. He has a vast inventory all around the country. And he'll get you what you want. STL-cars.com. Trust me on that one. You'll be happy that you did. No question. Phone lines are open. 636-348-4460. 636-348-4460. If you would uh, like to weigh in on any of the topics we've discussed so far. 
Uh, here's a story that kind of makes me feel warm in the heart. The turncoat Mike Pence apparently is going broke. His campaign strategy, which in, in, included insults and smears and attacks on President Trump at every stop and in every mainstream interview, have backfired and blown up right in his face. He actually blamed President Trump for the attack by Hamas, if you can believe that. That's what a pathetic human being Mike Pence is. So his attacks on President Trump, the guy who made him famous, are just about coming to a close and not soon enough. But apparently they have a huge cash squeeze. Dare we call it an existential cash squeeze? Deaths are piling up. The campaign is reporting that they've raised uh, $3.3 million in the third quarter with $620,000 in debts. Pence has had to chip in 150000 from his personal funds. Why does this guy have $150,000 in personal funds? What has he ever been other than a hack politician? Do you have one hundred fifty grand? you could just piss away today? I don't. But apparently he does, and he chose to piss it away. This is beautiful news. So we won't have Mike Pence around much longer, and that's good to hear. I actually love hearing that. I mentioned at the top of the show that Biden and his regime are threatening banks who don't lend money and give credit to illegal aliens. Now, consider this. Almost all of these illegal aliens enter this country with no job, no money. <laughs> and Biden's group is threatening and warning banks and lending institutions. They say this. Along with the Justice Department, they're issuing a joint statement that reminds financial institutions that all credit applicants are protected from discrimination on the basis of their national origin, race, and other characteristics covered by the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, regardless of their immigration status. We're issuing this statement because consumers have reported being rejected for credit cards, as well as for car, student, personal, and equipment loans because of their immigration status. Even when they have strong credit histories and ties to the United States and are otherwise qualified to receive the loans. <laughs> Lenders should not deny people the opportunity to take out a loan to buy a home. Well, actually, they should. If you don't have the proper credit, if you don't have a job. Pretty amazing. If they're doing it simply because they're illegal aliens, that is against the law. But we don't see any evidence of that other than people claiming it. The government doesn't tell us what kind of people these are. In other words, are they financially solvent people? Who are they? Who's complaining that the banks or lending institutions illegally discriminated against them? I don't know. They're not going to say. And we know why they won't say, because it isn't true. By the way, there are people, uh, mostly Arab countries that are claiming that these murders and rapes and tortures didn't even take place last week against the Israeli citizens. 
Now that reminds you of the Holocaust deniers, right? People that deny the Holocaust happened, even though there are picture evidence, witness, eyewitness testimony to it. Same thing now. The torture and the rape and the murder. But here's the problem for them. Military forensic teams that were mobilized by Israel in the wake of the attacks have discovered torture, rape, murder, and a host of other physical atrocities. Huh. I guess it did happen. There were t- de- there were decapitated babies. There is no doubt about it. They have the videos and the pictures to prove it. It's pretty sickening. It's really sickening when people claim it didn't happen. That's pretty sickening. When you see emails such as the ones and texts from this Israeli family, family of six, by the way, among the 1,300 Jews that were murdered, nearly 300 kids, by the way, But here are relatives uh, who have have uh, revealed these texts of these heartbreaking final messages from their family members, six of them, murdered in their safe rooms outside of Gaza. Three children, a mom and father, and one of their mothers, one of the parents' mothers, texted relatives, that they had made it to their safe rooms when the attacks had begun. Hi, guys. We got into the shelter in our house. We are all going to be okay. But an hour later, the texts had stopped. The elderly lady sent a final message to her sister. They're here. They're burning us. We're suffocating these Hamas savages had stormed the home and gunned down the entire family in their safe rooms. But according to people in some of these Arab countries, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. We have a congresswoman right here in the United States by the name of Ilhan Omar, who is uh, promoting these photographs of dead Palestinian children that are fake. Fake. She falsely portrayed children as having died from Israeli military operations when in reality they had died a decade ago fighting in Syria. That's Ilhan Omar. She put the post up with a photo of dead children saying 614 Palestinian children murdered by the Israeli IOF forces. Except that's a lie. And then she shared it to her 3 million followers on Twitter. Imagine 3 million people following her. It shows, what it actually shows, is children in Damascus, shortly after they were had succumbed to chemical weapon poisoning. Do you think she cares? This is a sitting congresswoman. It's hard to find words to describe how vile she is. But will she be sanctioned by her own party? Of course not. Will she be sanctioned by the Republicans in power? Of course not. Will she have to pay a political price for this? Of course not. Will the President of the United States call her out over this? Of course not.
Unbelievable, isn't it? She claimed it was Gaza. She's so consumed with hatred for the Jews. She's disgusting. She always has been. It's pretty unbelievable. Even the deputy technological editor at NBC News tweeted out, Ilhan Omar reposted recycled imagery passed off as from Gaza. Suleiman has repeatedly posted misinformation throughout this conflict. Now, this is a guy who had sent it to her. It's a truly despicable person during a week where many, many people illustrated hate and repugnant behavior. I think he goes a lot further than repugnant. But it showed the kids hung up in body bags. So this is a a woman, Ilhan Omar, who hates Israel and hates Jews so passionately that she will completely lie knowing she's lying and put that up there on a tweet. Wow. And again, nothing done about it. Nothing even said about it. By anybody. But that's the kind of bizarre hatred Ilhan Omar possesses in that bizarre mind of hers. Scary, isn't it? But we get back to the original point that we made at the start of the show where Iran is warning Israel to avoid Gaza, any kind of ground offensive. I have several questions to that threat by Iran. A, who do you think you are? B, how would you like it if we blow you off the face of the map and we're going to starting today at noon? If I was the Israelis, I'd publicize it. Starting today at noon, we're coming after you now. And the United States should respond in turn. That's been a theme of the show this morning. We all know that none of those things will happen because they're all common sense. They would all end this war today. And it leads me to my inescapable wonderment. Was this all orchestrated by Biden, Israel, and even Iran? How could I not think so? We're not going after them? Iran has declared war on us. They've murdered 29 of our people. They're holding hostage another 20 or so. That's a declaration of war. And what are we doing? Sitting around waiting for Monday Night Football. It's hard to, it's hard to believe. It, it really is hard to believe. But we know it's happening. And we know what's not happening, and that is the United States nor Israel will go after Iran. It's time. It's time to quit talking. It's time for the Israelis to put up or shut up. We know we won't do anything. I mean, Biden is there on 60 Minutes telling you that, sorry, but uh, now there's no evidence that Iran's involved. Imagine that. Here's Iran. First of all, they were telling the world they were involved. But now here they are telling the world that they're coming after Israel. Should Israel even dare to think that they can invade Gaza on the ground. 
If it wasn't so dangerous, you'd laugh at it. But it is dangerous. And it isn't funny. None of this is funny. There's a lot in it that's pathetic, though. And the pathetic part is the reaction so far of the United States, who claims to have Israel's back, and yet has done nothing to this point to help Israel whatsoever. Do you want you want somebody like that having your back? I don't. In fact, if I were the Israelis, I would have said to Biden, never mind, we've got this. Now, of course, you run the risk of having uh, to need the United States at some point in the future. They probably won't be too thrilled to have, help you if you tell them to pound salt or pound sand right now. But it's worth it because Biden having your back means not a thing. Not a thing. So it's nearly 5 o'clock in Gaza, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So we've gone all day. They're saying that Israel has blitzed Hamas and is ready for the ground invasion. Well, we've been hearing that for days now. But what I want to hear is Israel jets, fighter jets, flew into Iran, blew up their oil refineries and blew up their nuclear power plants. And what they missed, the United States Air Force came in right behind them and cleaned it up. I mean, I'm wishing for Christmas in October because it's not going to happen, but it should. It should happen. All right, folks, that's going to wrap us up today right here in the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Window World Kings Court. We're back fighting the good fight for you again tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock Central Time. Don't forget the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com sports show coming away at noon today on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.